Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to This is the Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the Prophet since God revealed the anointing he has placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a new territory that he has assigned me that I pray will be done as God ministers. The purpose of this podcast is to share the Word of God in a prophetic way under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to when he would have me to speak to the listeners, you, his sons and daughters. It's also purpose to invoke open and honest conversation on the things that many people, especially Christians, don't want to talk about, which is racism in the body of Christ. I pray that God will use this podcast to enable us as his sons and daughters to talk about the elephant in the room that for too many years, pastors, teachers, and leaders have tried to sweep under the rug. You can help and support this podcast by telling your friends, families, co-workers, church members, and everyone you know about This is the Voice of the Prophet and how easy it is to tune in through any podcast server through this title. You can also help and support this ministry through your love and prayers. You can reach me with questions and comments by email at amyeagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at C-H-A-R-T-E-R dot net. And finally, you can always reach me at my website at thevoiceoftheprophet.strikingly.com. And remember, if for some reason the podcast doesn't come through or to hear previous episodes, you can always reach This is the Voice of the Prophet on every and any podcast server. Thank you and God bless you. Now let's get into the word that God has for us for this week. Welcome. And again this week, we're continuing with the discussion of where did you learn that? The question is, where did we learn the things that are a part of our Christian foundations and are those things correct? Are some of the beliefs that we adhere to according to what has been taught supposedly from the Bible truly what God's word says? For those of us who have entered into covenant relationships with our churches, pastors, and fellow members, are we in covenants that God never ordained? In the book of Ezra, chapter 10, Ezra, along with the leaders of the Israelites, in order to renew their covenant with God, had to walk away from their non-Jewish wives. In other words, they had to remove themselves from those who were not and had never been in covenant with God. It's a possibility that some of these women had begun to worship with their husbands, while others actually turned their husbands away from their faith. Yet even those who were beginning to worship with the Jewish husband were not actual Jews and therefore had no true covenant with God. Many of the quote-unquote covenant churches that we attend are not the brides that God has called this statement is not a matter of accusations or to be demeaning. It's simply stating the fact that there are some 
who are deemed as covenant churches, but had broken their covenants with God by using his word for their own personal hidden agendas. They are some church leaders who are non-true covenant because what they were taught as their foundational learnings were tainted and tarnished with lies and untruths concerning the word of God. Wherever bias, racism, white supremacy, and bigotry is supported, even in the least way, then it's not according to God's word or in keeping covenant with him. Where did you learn what you've been practicing and what is it that your church has taught you to practice that's in direct opposition to the word of God? The only way that these questions can be answered is to study and learn the word for ourselves. There must be a search deep within the spirit man as to what we truly believe and live. Is what we're saying to others that God has said truly according to what he's spoken, or are we just saying what we've heard someone else say? In the words of Mr. A.W. Tozer, and I quote, the most revealing thing about a church is her idea of God, and her most significant message is what she says about him or what she leaves unsaid about him, end quote. I would dare to say that God is not talking politics right now or ever. For the church to give their political views is giving a people a message concerning God that's not true. Basically, it means that they're lying on God. In reference to what the church leaves unsaid about God in regards to racism, hatred, and bigotry is also lying on him. To not say leave totally unspoken and not want to discuss what God has uttered in his word in reference to these issues is implying that he's saying nothing. God has not been silent on these matters. And we all know that to say nothing about a matter is to agree to that matter, whatever it may be. To enter a church, a home, or even someone's life with thoughts that one is doing the will of God without truly knowing God shows the limit of how much an individual doesn't know the God they claim to know and love. I must wonder how many of the people who entered the Capitol last January had their prayer and devotion time in order to hear God for themselves that day. How much time did the pastors who preached to those before they left their home states spend in the presence of God in order to hear his voice? Did they spend more time listening to Paula White, Donald Trump, and the leaders of the insurrection than they spent listening to God? They sent those men and women within believing that they were in God's will because they likened God to who and what they want the Bible to say and not according to what is written. They represented him as a God who is opposed to what they're opposed to. They learned from leaders and people who learn from and agree with white supremacists, bigots, and racists, and that's what many, without realizing it, are following. Many years ago, I had the great pleasure and opportunity to hear the late Dr. Miles Monroe on one of his visits to Louisiana. One of the things he said was, 
If you don't know the proper use of a thing, you will use it abnormally or out of its normal use. He continued on that line of reasoning, stating that when you break down the words abnormal use, it will introduce another word, that word being abuse. That statement is based on the premise that if you don't know the proper use of a thing or person, let's say a wife or child, you will see wife abuse, child abuse, etc., etc. When we don't know a thing or what a thing is for, we will ultimately end up abusing, misusing, or using it out of its normal use or the proper purpose of what it was created for. So it has been and still is with the Word of God. In order to know the correct purpose and proper use of God's Word, we must be taught His Word according to His Word in order to live His Word correctly. There are still far too many that seek Him for the blessing and not for His presence. As the old expression goes, too many seek His hand and not His face. If we sought Him for His presence, if we would be as the psalmist said, as the deer panic for the water, so my soul longs after thee, then there would be a need and yearning in our hearts and spirits for more and more of God. Then and only then will we hear him as he ministers to us what he desires and not what we want and demand like spoiled rotten children. Many will allude to the 37th division of Psalms that reads, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So many will grab the scripture and others like it, believing that it gives them the right to obtain their desires, their blessings and wants, without having to realize the fullness of what the psalmist has written. First and foremost, let me remind our listeners that the psalmist wrote this at a time when there were covenant relationship with God through blood sacrifice. There are 21 psalms that mention covenant with God. Before one begins to make claims of the promises of God through his word, they must be sure that their covenant with him is intact through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. For many, there is no realization that the word delight means to make oneself soft and pliable in God's hands. It's literally interpreted as to be happy about. It's to live in enjoyment where they are. This doesn't mean being happy in their misery and not wanting better. Not at all. That's what the slave masters during slavery and white supremacists today would have blacks and other races to believe concerning the oppression and subjugation that many of them would like to promote today. What it actually means is that if one is happy about being in the Lord, let me add, knowing that their covenant is a sure one, if they're living in enjoyment with him, then they will always always wait for him to do as he sees fit and not take things into their own hands to make things as they see fit. A person's heart desire should never take precedent over delighting in God's presence. The words, delight thyself in the Lord, 
come before receiving the desires of the heart. We must stop the assumptions that God thinks on our levels. God does not think like we think. He doesn't work like we work and his ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55 and 8 reads, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. If all of this is true, then why do so many continue in the approaches that they've taken? Pastors, preachers, prophets, and leaders are literally abusing, misusing, abnormally using the word of God to their own personal ends and endeavors. Does God want us to be happy, joyful, and blessed? Of course he does. Hebrews 11 and 6 reads, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God wants to reward us when we are those that earnestly and diligently seek him. The word diligently, as the King James Version reads, is interpreted as to require, crave, or investigate. It means to seek out for oneself. There must be a craving within us for more of him. Barbecued shrimp is a Louisiana delicacy. If I have a taste for barbecued shrimp, hearing someone else talk about how good it was for them and how much they enjoyed it will not satisfy my craving. In fact, it should make me desire to taste it even more for myself. When this Louisiana specialty is served correctly, the taste of it causes one to want to learn for themselves how to prepare this dish. It's a taste that they want others to receive and enjoy from their own hands. So they will seek the best recipe, the right ingredients, the largest shrimp with the best and freshest French bread to serve this dish to those who will eat at their tables. And that's the way it should be with the word of God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If we would seek him for ourselves in contrast to just accepting what someone else says, Christians would not be so easily led from his will as opposed to his will. When the word of God is given as it should be, taught so that others will fall in love with him with all their hearts, entering into covenant with him, then we will come to the place that instead of seeking him for his blessings, we seek him for his will, no matter what his will may be for our lives. We can seek him in this way when we realize that everything that God desires for us is for our good because all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. We must trust him for our good, for whatever is best and what will give him glory, even when we must say, as Jesus said to his father in the garden, not my will, but thine will be done. There are churches and pastors today who have blatantly preached hatred and white supremacy from their pulpits. They may not come right out and use the words hatred and white supremacy, 
but they will twist and misuse God's word to bring across their points of racism and bigotry. They have used God's word to give the understanding that God is only for the white race. It's a matter that some in the white race will only be happy if they're the only people who are blessed and prosperous. I've come to realize that the reason that so many can follow the big stars and celebrities on Facebook and Twitter is not just because they like seeing them, but because they want to feel that they're a part of that person's life. It makes them feel that they're special or in a special realm or clique that puts them above others. So it is with so many Christians. They wear the word, the title Christianity as a badge that gives them prestige, widespread respect and superiority. The pictures that many hang in their churches, in their homes, wear around their necks, carry in their cars or wallets, post on Facebook, showing this white, blue-eyed, blonde-haired Christ is their way of saying, not only that they're Christians, but also saying that they're superior to everyone else who is not white and Christian. They do this without realizing that these images that they so proudly display is not only perpetrating lies, but it's absolute idolatry. Where did they learn that? It's what so many have been taught. It's what they've learned. It's what they adhere to as their beliefs and their religion. In last week's episode, I quoted the words of Mr. A.W. Tozer, and again I quote, no people has ever risen above its religion and no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. We move towards our mental image of God, end quote. If your mental image of God or Jesus is a white-skinned, blue-eyed blonde, not only are you worshiping an idol, but that's the farthest your idea of God can go. This is the image that was taught to so many coming into Christianity to insert the white man above all other races. That means your religion, your belief in God will go only as far as one who is white. Selah, pause and think about that for a while. Once more, as my mentor told her class, God is not like anything or anyone we know. Because someone doesn't purposely come out and say a thing, but rather insinuates, suggests, or implies a thing, using the word of God to accomplish their end plan, which would be to promote hatred and racism while giving the impression that it's God's will, is absolute heresy. To use the word of God or suggest images of him to imply or even hint that he's any race is idolatry. Again, stop and ask yourself with the images around your home, your churches, or worse yet, in your heart or mind, where did you learn that? 
What scripture or where in the word of God can you justify those things that many will use as what they determine is an image or likeness of God or Christ? Who told you that Mary, the mother of Christ, was white? Or Peter, Paul, Matthew, Luke, or John for that matter? In actuality, the only persons in the Bible whose skin color might be determined were the Cushites or Simon the Niger, both of whom are literally interpreted as black. Yet, does that mean that everyone else was white? Of course not. It means that these nations were of a darker color than those around them, no less than with many black families whose siblings, parents, aunts, uncles, and cousins are all different shades of black. Those shadings are from extremely light, or as one might say in Louisiana, passe blanc, which means could pass for white, to a rich, extremely dark, ebony, smooth, cream, beautiful color of the blackest of black skins. Let's clarify something once and for all. God has no color because God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Can you worship in the spirit on Sunday mornings and then demand that God be the God of the flesh color that you've assigned him? No way, not hardly, not ever. And yet, they are not only those that persist in carrying out these lies, but they also persist in sending them across pulpits so that others will believe their lies. I would be so bold as to say Without them even realizing it, most unfortunately, some have become apostate and, again, idolaters. They have begun to worship something other than the true and living God. But those who follow these leaders blindly, without diligently seeking God for themselves, will follow these pastors, prophets, and other leaders straight into hell. You might want to go back a few episodes to hear what's said about those who are really going to hell. They would rather follow these erroneous, hateful teachings in order to satiate their own flesh and desires rather than spending quality time in developing a relationship with the Father so that they can hear him for themselves and not be led astray. They would rather follow the arguments, reasoning, and false rationalizations of white supremacy and racism as opposed to following the word of God. They are those who are listening to the, to the rhetoric of politics from the pulpit, leaving services, not only making themselves satisfied without hearing God's word, but literally satiated because they heard someone else's political opinion. Woe unto the people of God who follow these practices. For the things that we're hearing and following, we must pause and ask ourselves, where did we learn these things and do they truly line up with the word of God? Are the things we're listening to and believing in agreement with his word? I remember a time when people would say things like, 
If you make one step, God will make two. Or when they would sin using the phrase and believing when they said it, well, God understands. They are those that would say that they would lay their religion down in order to curse someone out and believe that it was Bible. Remember the expression, God helps those who help themselves, or even God won't give you more than you can handle. As sweet and meaningful as these phrases may be, they're not scriptural, and some have learned them, keep them, and share them as though they are. Where did we learn these things? Someone taught it as Bible. They taught it as the word of God, and others believed that what they heard was true. We must learn better in order to do better. We must build our own personal, intimate relationship with the Father and learn to hear his voice. We must learn to recognize the conviction of the Holy Ghost when he's ministering to our spirits that something is not quite right. He's our paraclete and our counselor who teaches us the truth of God's word. Listen to his voice. We must unlearn some of the things we've been taught as truth. Study to show thyself approved and don't be so naive as to just accept as truth what you hear, especially when it doesn't line up with God's word. As I always say, never become unteachable. Always be ready to learn and just be sure that what you're accepting into your hearts and spirits is the truth of God's word. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to each of you, and I pray that you will share it with others, encouraging your church members, families, friends, neighbors, and co-workers to listen to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, on any podcast server. Until next Monday, remember that I am praying for each and every person who listens, asking our Father's blessings and favor upon you. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening.